on church project and financing. And I will end it all by the lecture, Enjoying Plenty During Famine. These are the two that we will go through. Church project and financing. Of course, the area of the intellectual area budgeting and also I will talk about that tomorrow. You know what drives me about God and his work on earth? God will never send you for a work that he has not provided for. But it is your duty to find the provision. Are we in cognizance? God ordained a person to be a prime minister. That person must first be, if you are in England, it is better for you to be educated through Oxford. Yes? God ordained someone to be an engineer, but you must first go to, to the school and do mathematics and physics and sciences. So, God's provision must be found by God's messenger. Therefore, we look at God's mind, first of all, God's mind for church finance or people's finances, his people. In the book of Deuteronomy 28, it says in verse 1, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations. So God's intention is that the church financially should be a voice in this nation. That's the first thing we must recognize. Because God is about to talk about financial blessing here. Second thing, haven't God said that? What gives us validation that God was talking about finance? The next verse clarifies that. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you fully obey the Lord your God. This is not God's covenant just for church collectively. If we look at it for church collectively, what that means is that every Christian, this is what God is saying about. God wants to set you high financially and make you a force to be reckoned with on earth financially. <coughs> we must all agree on this platform before we come over here. You must first understand that the financial level you are, that's not God's intention for you. That's not where God wants you to be. But you have to start somewhere. But it will be a very grievous error if your focus is only on what you're earning. If you cannot see beyond as God is seen. We all agree here that we will make this scripture true in every country that we come from. That our churches in the nation will be recognized for their financial strength too. Because it says in verse 1. Verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above. We are not supposed to borrow from banks. We may start from there. We should learn to our country. Money. Let this drive you. It's different from prosperity preaching. But I'm telling you what God's 
intention for us is. Haven't he said that, that he will set us above nations with what? All these blessings will come upon you. So it is the blessings of God that sets us high above nations. Then it says, You are blessed, you will be blessed in the city where you are. You will be blessed in the country. Now, listen to me. I'm not praying for you now. I'm saying what you should be. That's the time we prophesy this, but to this group, I'm not prophesying to you. I'm just telling you, as far as God is concerned, if you get to heaven, God will tell you that, why are you not what I said? Why are you not what I said? I have said, you will be blessed. Either you are located in the village, or in the city, or in the country, it does not matter. Anywhere you set up, you are created to be blessed. Understand, if God says you will be blessed, therefore, as a church, who is he talking to? Not the building, but the people in the church. Because it is the people in the church that give time, that give offering, that give all the finances you need for the house. Now, if I as a minister will look at how can I fulfill or join in partnership with God to make sure that this happens, it means I have a duty to ensure that every member of my church are fulfilled in their dreams and destiny. Yeah. And I will show you how to turn poor church to a rich church by spiritual. But we need to understand first. Whenever you look at your people, look at a people called to blessing. And then God went forward, talk about the fruit of the womb and the rest of them, go to verse 12. Now verse 11, verse 11 before 12. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. This is God talking. He will grant the church abundant, not just prosperity, abundant prosperity. That's what God says. In the fruit of your womb, that's our children. They will prosper largely in the city that we are, and in the nation they will be reckoned, you know, they'll be a force to be reckoned with. And he says, the young of your livestock, that's talking about your business. The crops of your ground. If even you do farming, this is God speaking. You can do livestock. I, I was so happy. One of our pastors in India, he's, he's a farmer, a shepherd. I think I will show you his photograph maybe tomorrow or next tomorrow. He pastors the church in the Himalayas. When he sent me his, his photograph among his sheep, I said this would be a successful pastor. Yes. Not only that. I looked at him that, look, this guy already has a farm and he has sheep. Okay. If we are thinking of investing for finance, that is the investment we put money into. Because already, without help, he had proved himself. Now the church can now say, what does your farm worth? Your farm worth 100,000. Okay, what about if we put 0.5 million into it? What about if we put 1 million pounds into it? And then we can take him to the government level and go as a British organization going to do farming in, in, in India. And we can turn that farm totally to British integrated farming to the place where by the man we have cows, we have other things, and you'll be milking cows and be selling. And we will do it with the government of England because the government of England have formed a pact with the government of India already. 
Now we have a pastor who has a farm. Listen to me. Your brain must work in line with what God has said. Turn every member into prosperous people. Abundant prosperity. Verse 12 says, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty, to send you rain in your land in the season, and to bless all the works of your hand. So, every member must have something doing. Every member must be encouraged to do something. Every member must be helped to do something. Because God will not bless an empty hand. Your message, your teaching, your help, your whatever you said, should be geared towards making sure that people have visions and they have, they have aspirations, making way for them to reach the top and backing them up so that they can be fulfilled. It is the covenant of God. People don't come to the church to be poor. You come poor, but the gospel should transform you and bring you to abundant prosperity. That is God's covenant. That's what I said to you. When we talk about social progress, we, we target it first to the members of the house. I don't care whether the government don't support what I'm doing. I don't even want them to support it. Because if they did, they would say it is our support that made you. We have a mandate to establish the church in line with the scriptures. Do you see here? God said, I will open the floodgates. Storehouse, I will open. Then it says, To send rain to your land and bless you in the season. Bless all the works of your hand. You will lend to many nations. We borrow from none. I've not seen a church on earth doing that now. I haven't seen one. Rather, churches have money, trillions or billions, and they lock it up. Their nation is crying for help. They can't help. Now, this scripture tells me that church will lend to nations. That's where we're going. I didn't hear you. God will raise ambassadors from among you. God will raise geniuses that will solve the economic problem of various nations. When the nation is in trouble, they will come to us and say, send us some genius you have. And you will go into those nations and you turn the nation around financially. That is it. But we have to make those people first. But the verse 13, which is the last one, now tell us the procedure God, which God has said. It says, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands that the Lord your God had given you this day and carefully follow them, look at the last word. You will always be on top, never at the bottom. Listen to me. There are two things that will help you to understand. The first one is in the pre- 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 previous verse, 12. It says you will learn to many nations and borrow from none. This church will have a bank. Yes, yeah, see, we set up a bank. Let me tell you something. When I was doing my international law and corporate government LLM, I found in one of the modules, international banking law. So when I found that module, I pleaded with God to open the intestine of international banking to me. And God did. In that, I got a star. That is distinction 
Opa. Do you know what happened to me? About, after that module, about three months thereafter, I received a mail from my old university, Buckingham University. And that mail has a brochure, and they wrote a letter, uh, you know, Alfred and all like that. They said, we would like you to come and study MSc in banking and central banking in University of Buckingham. I said banking and central banking. So I took their mail and I put it away. And after some time, the Lord said to me, banking and central banking will cost you only one year, nine months. You want a bank. You want to set up a bank. Why did you put it aside? I said, Lord, I want to bring it out. It's on my table now as part of my consideration for the future. Because I first said to myself that will I, I can't go and work in central bank. I mean, what's that? Can I do banking and central banking? Am I going to work in the central bank of government? I cannot. But then when the Lord came to me and told me, you want to set up a bank? Ah, if I know banking and central banking, and I have Esther in international banking law, what about if a bank calls me? Or one of my sons who is an executive of a bank. I have some sons who are executive of a bank. <coughs> and they have problems. At least I can tell them that, according to international standard, this is how you can raise your bank here. To that standard. I, I, I regretted myself that, how can I reject knowledge? When the Bible says, get knowledge. Are we together? So, banking and central banking, here we come. Listen to what God is saying here. God said, you will be on top. Okay? Which means, you will start from somewhere, and when you get to the top, you will always remain. Having laid this foundation, let us look, church projects, and financing, how God did it in the Bible. How did God fulfill this promise in the Bible? The first thing you must notice is that, or note, God will never send you what he has not provided for. Know that. Because the promise I read to you predates your calling. And it predates your vision. Okay. Let us look at the first project. Exodus 35. It goes from Exodus 35 to 36. Let me open my own too. So from, from verse 4. When the Lord told Moses to build the tabernacle, it says Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold and silver and bronze. Verse 6 says, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goats, and the rest of it. Verse 10. 
all who are killed, underline that. The church needs to identify skills in them. How many skills do you have? Put them together in groups. Relevant skills. And create an atmosphere for them to be useful in the house. Through their skills. To build the vision. I think on, on Friday I may be showing you a clip of our social group we just set up. All those who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. You know something with God? When He gives a house a vision, everything you need for the vision, human, financial, they are in the house. You only need to search them and find them. That's the reason why I first told you about building everybody to ensure that everybody who comes to your church succeeds. There are people in church who don't have drive. Drive them to overdrive. Yeah, yeah. If people don't have drive, you can carry them and be driving them along. They will follow you until they will get success. I did it in this church. I remember the first time I told women that go and do nothing. Many years ago. And at that time, they were just making nothing very easy. And very, very competitive. And they are giving them house. They are giving them money. They pay for them. I personally went to some women in the church. Apostle, it's a long time I read. How can I understand? I said to them, whether you understand or not, next week go and collect form. I will sign your form. Go and do it. You have not entered class. You are telling me how will you understand? I said there are doctors here, there are nurses here. You will see, they will see, they will teach you what to know. And I pushed so many women who believe they can never read. All of them came out with master's degree nursing. They gave them house. They paid their fees. They were paying some of them in school at the time. Today, they are senior personnel in hospitals in London. There are people in your church who don't have drive. That's why God brought you, so that you can drive them. The worst thing is to follow a pastor who doesn't have drive himself. All those who are skilled, Bring them together. Go to verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses. And everyone who was willing, did you see that? And whose heart, uh, whose heart moved him, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the, of the tent of meeting, for all his services and for sacred garments. Understand, whenever there is project in your church, there are people that God already has touched their heart who are willing. Let me say something to you in church operations. Sometimes some people have money and they give. Sometimes they don't have money. You don't have to force them to give. In a family, after all, if one of the family members has money now, one of the parents is the one who will handle it. Those who don't have, we will spare them. Maybe they are students. When they know also graduate and they are having working, some other problem will come in the church, in the house. Maybe they want to paint. And the junior one now is and he said, Senior brother, don't worry, I'll take care of this. That is church work. We don't compel those who don't have. Okay? We teach everybody to give themselves first and then their wealth. But we know that sometimes we want to give for a particular project. Somebody didn't have. Okay? You can't make him guilty because he didn't have. You need to help them to know if you don't have now, don't worry. 
those of us who have, whose heart have been moved, we will meet it up. Next time when, we have, when things happen, you will have and bring it. Instead of making people feel like if they don't give now, they will be dead. Our God will cut them off from the book of life. Listen, it says, verse 22, All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, uh, uh, brooches, earrings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. That doesn't mean that we should be telling people to be waving their offering. <laughs> because there's no more wave offering now. Yeah? Look at verse 25. Every skilled man, woman spawned with her hands and brought what she had spawned. Blue purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spawned goats here. You know the word who are willing, who are willing and have is repeated again and again. Ministers are not supposed to make people feel guilty. They don't have to give. But people need to know when God gives you, you must give. It is wrong to tell people that give what you don't have. No, it is not. God didn't say that. He says what you have, bring out of what you have, both in Old Testament and New Testament, Second Corinthians 8. Look at verse 29. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offering, free will, decision by themselves. They made up their decision. They gave according to their own free will. For all the works of the Lord through Moses had, uh, uh, though Moses had commanded, uh, uh, all the work of the Lord, the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Now, can I say something to you? Here, they didn't say 100 people should give 10 million. It doesn't exist in God. They said, we need X things. We need this. We need this. We need that. We need that. And let the people for their free will. Any method contrary is not from God. Let the ministers hear me on the television. That is what has frustrated many people. Out of churches. Now, Look at verse 30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel and Ohu, and, uh, son of Uri, and son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled them with what? The Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. Grace. God didn't give it to two people. He gave to that guy, and then gave to Oleah. It says to make art, artistic design and the rest of it. Let's go further. Chapter 36. So, Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person, we understand that the head of that group is Bezalel. Every skilled person, uh, every skilled person to whom the Lord has, been, has given skill and ability, to know how to carry out all the works of construction, the sanctuary are to do the works just as the Lord has commanded. That's the reason why I told you we are gathering skills 
When I said hospital, thank God for the doctors in London and, and Ireland. They have, some of them have brought me, you know, um, business plan to start an hospital, set an hospital, build it, run it, everything. They have given it to me. The architect who designed the hospital in Romford has had a meeting with me. The architect who designed the hospital in Romford. He is a Nigerian. And that hospital is one of the most massive. So, and it's a child of God. Now, what I'm saying to you is, people must be encouraged to use their skill for the Lord. Because if you don't, when you die, all what you did with your skill and an income, gone. But if you use your skill for the vision, though you die and the skill is ended, the reward for your skill in the household of faith is what will remain with you in, in eternity. They are the Bezalel and Oliab. Look at verse 2. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oliab, every skilled person. And verse 2 says, they received from Moses all the offerings. And Israelite had brought that, uh, all the offerings Israelite had brought to carry out the work of construction of sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offering morning after morning by themselves. That is what is called free will. So all the skilled craft men who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded them to do. Then Moses gave an order and they sent to, to send this um, uh, word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people we are restrained from bringing offering. People we are restrained. Can you not understand something? If you have a project and you said we are, we are raising X amount for the project and people are giving. When they reach the mark, you need to stop them and tell them that don't give again towards this project. We have reached our limit. That is faithfulness before God. You don't say that we will take it and convert, yeah, use it for something else, then that is killing before the Lord. Moses told them, we had, we have met our mark. Please stop. That is what you must practice. Let me help you know something. If God gave the project, God had made provision. You only need to announce it as a vision. And people who God had already prepared before he gave you the vision, they will come and they will meet it up. Some people, it is because of projects that God will raise them financially. Because they will give what they have now, empty everything they have, then God will now support them to a higher level. And before you know it, they will give so much and the project is taken care of. The church of God on earth today should recognize that Moses restrained people from giving because they met the project. That is transparency. Now do you know something, therefore? That is the first major project of the church. So in this project of the church, you saw that before God told Moses to build tabernacle, 
God already his, he had planned. He had planned to bless some people because it is by their giving that they will have record for God to bless them better. He has stirred up the heart of people who he will give because there are people who normally give to God. Though it is possible that some even can give and they did not give, but that doesn't stop God's project. He only helped God to bless some other people more. That is the way God operates. Know this, therefore. God will never send you to a project that he has not provided for. Second project. Nehemiah chapter 1. In Nehemiah chapter 1, look at what happened there. The word of, the, of Nehemiah, son of Helkiah, in the month of Kisli, in the twelfth year, while he, he was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnants that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You see how white people should fast? He's not fasting because of demons. He's fasting because he's crying for mercy from God. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven and storm. Now, look at verse 6. He prayed and said, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you today, and uh, day and night. So it took some time for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we, we Israelites including myself and my father's household, have committed against you. Because that is what took them to the exile. Verse 8. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the, the nations. But if you return to me and obey my command, then even if you are exiled people, even if your exiled people are at the Father's horizon, I will gather them from, from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. I, I read those ones because I, I wanted to understand how you communicate with God. You don't go before God and, and uh, claim holier than thou attitude. Whenever you go before God, the first thing is the prayer of thanks, the next thing is the prayer of mercy, forgiveness of sins. Don't say to me that you don't have a sin. That is the reason why you have one. Yeah, you just, you just had one. Alright? And so, if we go, look at chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not 
been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why do your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. Now, what you will find in this, because you all have, you know the history of this one. The first thing you, mu you must recognize in this is that the previous one I wrote, I read to you, which is the tabernacle, God gave instruction. So projects in church can come by God's instruction. Okay? Project by God's instruction. But this one is project that is inspired by circumstances. So church may have a situation, and that situation will just demand money. Are we together now? So don't say that God did not tell me. He doesn't have to tell you if there is a need, then he's telling you by the need. Okay? That is second project. Third project is Ezra chapter 5 and chapter 6. And this is project inspired by prophetic utterance. And number four, project inspired by missionary, you know, missionary, mission, let me say vision inspired project, like missionary project. Do you know what? I don't want to read through everything now. I just want to help you summarize this and go to the final because we are almost ending this session. If you look at similarities in all those projects, is that God made provision before the vision or the need arose. Because God is all-knowing. Are we together? For Moses, he had already blessed the people a little. And he had touched their hearts. So when the people give the little they have, he multiplied it. Until they outgave. You know, when I look at that Moses uh, situation, how can people in wilderness have money? God did it. He did it. So the country you are, the country you are, doesn't, it doesn't have to do with God. You will have favor where nobody is favored. Yeah. If you look at the Nehemiah 2, because he started praying, God said, okay, take the cup to the king. I'm sure that Nehemiah will have changed his face because the king wasn't see you sad. He may demand your head out of your neck. But little did he know Though in his heart, he's looking fine. But his face sends the signal. And when the king saw it, God touched the heart of the king to say, No, this I'm seeing is a sad face. You are a bubbly man. Among all those who serve me, you are the most bubbly. Something is wrong with you. That is divine favor. Any project God sends you, the divine favor of God will bring provision. Amen. That is, if that provision is not within the confinement of your church, if it is held by government, God will break through it. Amen. If it is held by anybody outside, God will touch their heart. Amen. It was the king who suggested to him. And he said, he didn't report to the king. But if you look at when the king now gave him provision, king supplied everything he needed. Okay? He only had burden for the work of God in line with promise. 
He told God, you promised us when we rebel, you will scatter us. We rebel, you scatter us. But now we have repented. Why are we still scattered? Why are we still scattered? God, do something. And God will always act according to his word. God said, okay, because you are the only one. Because the principle of God in the book of uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, 11, 12 down. He says that, I know my plan I have towards you. Plan to prosper you are not to, give, not to harm you, to give you up and expect it. And then verse 12, you will come and call on me. And I will answer you when you seek me with all your heart. And I will now return you. So God expects somebody to be sensitive to the need of God or the household of God and begin to pray over it and favor will come. I can give you several testimonies of myself in this realm. And if you look at the Ezra, a prophet just spoke. A prophet just spoke. And the prophet said, you guys are building to no avail. You work and you lose your money. All the prosperity plan of God cannot happen to you. Why? Because you are building your own empire. While the house of God is in ruin. And the Bible says the people had the word. They were moved in their spirit. And they started to build. So prophetic utterance can catalyze projects in the church. It can be by prophetic. And the Acts 13, the Holy Spirit says, separate from people and Barnabas for this mission. And the money was there. Therefore, write this down. Your money is in the mouth of your fish. Matthew 17, 24 to 27. They came to Jesus to ask him for tax. Jesus said, Peter, go and catch fish. How many do you have? How much do you need? We need X amount. He said, go and catch fish. When they caught the fish, Peter, God, Jesus said to Peter, don't kill that fish. Because that is not an edible fish. It's a fish that carries money in his mouth. You know what the Lord told me when he taught me this? He said, I send my fish into the churches who carry money, and many ministers have killed them and eaten them up. And so, in the time they need finance, there is no one to produce it, because they kill the fish who carries money, and they've eaten it. The fish that carry money, when you catch them, you take the money and release them back into the water. That has to do with your members. None of you should invite anybody to your pulpit to come and raise money. It is a grievous offense before the Lord God. The money you cannot raise among your people is not the money you need. If a father is a father in the house, he can ask his own family to bring money. They will bring it because you have given yourself to, to them. If a minister cannot tell his people, it's because you are working wayward before God. Are we together now? Especially all this deal. That one will come and skin the people, rob them, because they will share the profit with the person who is presiding. Anyone who does that have their place in hellfire. So your money is in the mouth of your fish. Now, you will discover that all this boils down to this, this fact. If the people had truly discipled, then they would always give. Write these points now. 
We have looked at giving in the Old Testament. We want to compare in parallel with giving in the New Testament. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Let's read from verse 1 to 6. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to Mesopotamian churches. Out of their severe, the most severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty were up to regenerosity. Number one, giving is grace. So if giving is grace, then you and I can begin to pray that grace to come upon our members. The next verse says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. We must not manipulate people to give. We must allow their spirit with the Holy Spirit to do so. Because if the willingness is there, then the gift is acceptable. If the willingness is not there, the gift is not acceptable before the Lord. And that's why people can give as the pastor pushed them and they not blessed. Because it's not, it's not out of their will. But if we look at verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege to sh- of sharing in this service to the saints. Pray grace for your church. And your church will be asking you that, please, uh, pastor, what do we need in the house? <coughs> There are people who have come to me in this church and say, I'm going to do my birthday. What can I give? I want to do something in church. I don't want to go and buy what the church doesn't need. And I said, okay, this is an area of need. Some other time, how much do you want to give? And he tells me, I said, okay, what you want to give, the need we have now, what you want to give, cannot meet it up. But we can take that as a deposit towards it and they give it. That's the church you need to build. I was telling you that one of the parishes needed uh, a fund for housing. I announced it here on the pulpit. And when I came out of the pulpit, one of the members came to me and said, Daddy, don't announce it again. I've spoken to three of us. We will pay it. He said, don't announce it again. We don't want the whole church to share from our blessing. <laughs> this one, we will pay it. And it's a couple of thousands, really. It's a couple of thousands, really. Now, the account of London Church already is here for some projects. And it's better for us to use the account of London Church for what they want to achieve. But then, this came. Which means, we still meet up that project, but not from the London Church account. You pray grace for your people. But if you look at it, it's going further. Fine. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then... To us, in keeping with God's will. You know, Pastor, if you, can let, if you can help your people to give themselves to the Lord, they will give themselves to you too. I will get that now. They will give themselves to you. In the position that, well, let's say the place God has put us now. When I go for every mission to any country, there are members of this church who will come to me and say, Apostle, we know that the church will pay your fare, but take this for your pocket money. When you reach there, you will need money. And then we know too, people will come to you want to give. 
We want to be part of that blessing. Say, this one is not for church. Apostle, it's for you and mommy to maintain yourself. Of course, when I get to those nations, I see needs that I give out to. But those giving they gave me did not, it put me in a position that I'm not stranded. I can add to the expenses of that parish. I can take, do, pay for some things, you know, which I tell them, you don't worry. Because if I go to any parish, it's their duty to make sure that everything I want is given me. But because those members gave me money just to spend, it, it cushions what the parish will do for me. You know, if people can be taught by a pastor, first of all, if you father the church, that's the beginning. And the people can see you, they will know if you are faithfully fathering them. Their problem is your problem. You are looking after their well-being. You are looking after their success. You do everything your part to make sure they succeed individually. They will give themselves to the Lord and they will give themselves to you. Go to the next verse. Write that down. Six. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also the comp- completion, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to bring also completion, the act of grace on your part. Verse seven, eight is where we're going now. It says, but just as you excel in the in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in completion, in complete honest, honestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Then, the eighth, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your law by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And I wrote against that, giving is a proof of your sincere love for God. When you see people sincerely love God, they demonstrate it by giving. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 9. For you know that, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for you, for your sake, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. The next one. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter, uh, about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. This is talking about branches. The next verse 11, something is there. Now finish the work so that your eager, eager willingness <clears throat> to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to what? So write it down on that very verse. Giving must be according to your means. People must not be told to go and borrow money, told to go and give credit card. Credit card is a debt. They can give debit card, but credit card is a, is a, is a sin before God. Because credit card is not what you have. Debit card is what you have. Credit card is what you do not have, which is a debt. Giving must be according to your means. Now, <clears throat> verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what it does not have. And against verse 12, write it. Not all giving is accepted by, acceptable by God. The people must be willing. 
For God to accept a gift, it must come from willing heart. The size of what you give does not move God. If you are not willing, it's not accepted. And we go from 13 to 14, and then we will stop in that area. 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. This, for all of you ministers, and if you are going to be an oversight over a region or over churches, you must not... When, let's say we want to raise a fund for this parish, okay? We must not do it in a way that this parish will suffer financially, okay? So we will consider the overflow of this parish, so that what this parish is given is what is above their expenses. That is what they know, what they have. We will not say that we tax everybody 10,000 10, pounds. That is of the devil. Some can give 100,000 some can give 1,000 according to their means. You must not take money from one branch for another branch at the expense of the other branch, the giver. So we we'll take from the giver what they are able to ask at the time so that we are not in trying to help a new need, we are not destroying the potential giver. My father used to tell me one thing, you know, when I was from my growing up, he tells me many things. He said, my son, a, a, a vegetable that is just growing, you don't, you don't harvest it. He said, if you harvest it, you won't have another for next year. He said, for you to harvest a vegetable, you let it grow and mature. So when you pluck the leaves from it, it will grow others. And from one vegetable, you can continue to harvest year after year. But he says, when it's just growing, you cut off the hair. He said, you kill it. So, a child that is just growing, you don't burden them with the liability of giving when you know they are not up to the task. That is ungodly, according to the principle of God. Finally, I will stop here because I'm not teaching about giving. I'm talking to you about church projects and finances. Three things or three means by which you can enhance your members' finances. This is for pastors. You can write it down. Three steps you can take. And I do this regularly. And it works for me. One, through prophetic declaration. Second Kings 4, 1 to 7. Go and read it when you get home. Prophetic declaration is then prophetic utterance. Prophetic declaration is that I say to you that before sunset tomorrow, something from God will manifest in your finance. It is not God speaking, I'm the one speaking. But I'm speaking on behalf of God. I make declaration and say, I will give it back to you now. And I said, anyone who came to this meeting today sick, I guarantee you, you will be healed before you leave this meeting. I say so. But on behalf of God. God didn't tell me to say it. If you look at that Second Kings chapter 17, you will discover, no, well, at least one in Second Kings 4, 1 to 7. But if you look at 1 Kings chapter 17 too, you will discover that Elijah came out and said, there shall be no dew or rain except by my word. God didn't tell him that. He just wanted to put an end to insanity and a threat. But James told us, after he said that, he went to the corner and said, Father, Father, I have said it to you. God, I have created death on your neck. 
Don't let my word fall to the ground. And book of James said he prayed earnestly. So when the guy said it, then he remember what did I just say? So he went to God and said, God, I, I mess up now. Do it, Lord. You know, anybody who speaks boldly on behalf of God, God loves them so much. Elijah didn't understand at the time. Before he began to cry, God told him that, you have just done what I've waited for all these years. No one dare do it. And because you did it, I will cause the famine. Only you will have plenty. And anywhere you enter. Okay? The major difference between us and Elijah is that we have the Holy Spirit and we have the knowledge now. So when we say that the, the cripple will walk in this place, the blind will see in this meeting, we are declaring. You shall prosper in the name of the Lord. The jobless shall get a job. You are the one speaking. But because you speak in your capacity as a messenger of the Most High, angels will say, yes. Holy Ghost will say, yes. And angels will release over your word. Because the Lord watches over his word, in the book of Isaiah, he said, I put my word in your mouth. Always declare. You don't have to shake in your body and say, rabba, 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 rabba. Keep your rabba. Say something in line with the need of people. That's the time for that. <laughs> the second thing you need to do to, to, that can help people prosper is prophetic direction. And that is 1 Kings 17, 1 to, 1 to 16. The first one is 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. Prophetic declaration. And of course, chapter 17 of the first king, Elijah. Second one, through prophetic direction, people can be given a prophetic direction to destiny and prosperity. And it's first kings, chapter 17, 7 to 16. After this man caused famine, Holy Ghost told him to go to the brook. That's prophetic direction. Then Holy Ghost told him to go to the woman, the widow. That's prophetic direction. And he found plenty in those places. But prophetic direction can come when you've developed yourself also to be able to hear from the Father or see. And that is what I've told you for the past two days. Things you need to do to develop those acumen in you. The third one is through the ministry of signs and wonders. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35. Through the ministry of signs and wonders. When you decree by the Spirit of God, before the end of this month, there will be no jobless in this house. And by the power of signs and wonders, it will begin to drive people. By the end of the month, no jobless. No jobless. Provision will come. Sometimes in the church, when I picked it in my spirit that there are some people in the church who have been rejected in credible interviews. Those are the times I say that wherever... You have been rejected. I say before the end of this week, you will be recalled back. The letter written to you that I will regret. The same people will write you back and say, we are pleased. And it has ever happened. On Friday, a brother was giving testimony about this. I remember when he came to me also about the situation. Signs and wonders. Is, it's, it's, the, the ministry of signs and wonders is provoked by faith declaration. That's all that brings signs and wonders. Someone speak on behalf of God. It is almost close to prophetic declaration. But they are different, two different things. Signs and wonders will produce something that was not there. 
That is what signs and wonders you do. It will manufacture something that did not exist. Somebody, somebody who is struggling and looking for, you know, job or business and stuff, a person that should not remember him will remember him. And then they will come to him and they will make sure that he gets what he wants. Ministry of Science and Wonders. As he can open the blind eyes, he can make the lame walk, so also he can carry man from one position and translate him into higher destiny. Prophetic declaration, prophetic direction, and signs and wonders. Shall we stand up together now? We will look together by the grace of God tomorrow on enjoying plenty in the time of farming. Shall we just pray?